All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. Appreciate that song. Appreciate good attendance tonight. It got better as the evening went on. Amen. I like that. Like a caboose. I mean, it's like a train just gets cranked up. It gets better and better. Amen. The attendance I'm talking about. All right, tonight we're continuing our study of 1 John, and we're in chapter 3. And uh, last week I was out of town, took a few days off. Brother Steve um, Underwood, Stephen Underwood preached. Our missionary to South Africa, now Argentina, and uh, pray for him because it's a lot of uh, adjustment when you change fields. Most, uh, a lot of preachers are looking for excuse to drop a missionary, and when they change fields, they drop you. And so he's going to have to get a lot more support, and um, maybe he won't lose too much, too much support. But I know he needs your prayers. Then also, I want to thank everybody that's been uh, decorating. Uh, some people were here at 11 o'clock last night, and every day and every night, decorating and. Praying and preparing, and I appreciate you taking Vacation Bible School serious. Amen. Uh, how many of you were saved in a Vacation Bible School service or class? Raise your hand. You were saved. Okay. My wife, Miss Kathy, uh, praise God, little fellow right there wants to be saved one day in Vacation Bible School. Amen. And uh, Miss Holly, and it's just a blessing to know that uh, these folks got saved because somebody had a Vacation Bible School. Let's emphasize the Bible, not the vacation. So uh, don't take a vacation, emphasize the Bible. This year we don't have as many buses, so we're depending on your cars to be buses. So I want you to go to your neighborhood and put up flyers, go to every uh, restaurant possible. I saw a brand new community bulletin board, nothing on it, at the Kentucky Fried Chicken Place. Uh, I was eating uh, the buffet very slowly, because I was on a diet. And... Um, uh, and we got to put our flyer up, and I was just so excited that we got that beautiful flyer in the Kentucky Fried Chicken, because everybody eats there on Sunday, so we're going to get a lot of people uh, maybe notified about that. So appreciate all your Vacation Bible School work. Appreciate Miss Rebecca leading this and Brother Jason. They do a great job every year, amen, every year. And you know, I was uh, had a long visit. I thought Brother Stennett was home, so I went to his home yesterday and had a long talk with Donna, his daughter, and... Uh, if you want to hear the last message he preached at Concord Baptist Church, go on their website and go to um, uh, March 31st. He preached on what to do when you come to the end of your way. And he said this, he said, this might be my last message that I'll ever preach at um, Concord Baptist Church, and it probably will be. And uh, so God gave him a great message on what to do when you come to the last days, the end of your day, I don't get the title exactly right, but um, it was about death, about going to heaven, and he's got uh, stage four cancer, it's all over him, and um, he just preached um, two weeks ago in, his, in the church that he pastored, had to have somebody drive him, he'd sleep all day long and preach, preach that night uh, for that revival service, and it thrilled his heart that he got to preach at the church that he pastored when he was a young man. So uh, pray for Brother Stennett. I found out he was 78 years old. He never seemed that old to me and was a great preacher and uh, did a great work. He, he, he raised millions and millions of dollars. And I say that past tense. He's not dead yet, and God can touch him and heal him. We believe in that. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, he's in bad, bad shape physically, and he needs your prayers. He's in Florida Medical. He's going home tomorrow with hospice care. And so pray for Miss Edna. Pray for the... Daughters, they're doing a great work there in the ministry. And um, pray that God would 
help Concord Baptist Church, Brother Randy Sutherland. If he loses Brother Sammy and Brother Stenton at the same time, he'll be in a fix because uh, they have been fixtures for that great church and great camp meeting. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. Stand on the Word of God. I'm going to back up to what I preached a couple of weeks ago, just reading it. It says, Behold, what manner of love, verse 1, the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I like that emphasis. We're sons of God. We're not religionists. We're in the family of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, the rapture, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now that, was, that was two weeks ago I preached, and I want to just say this in summary. If the second coming does not change you drastically and radically, then you really don't believe he's coming. If you believe he's coming, it'll change your life. Amen? It'll, you ought to purify yourself. Now, for tonight, it says, Whosoever committed sin, listen, Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. For you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, uh, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth, doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth, doth not righteous is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture describing real, authentic Christianity, real salvation. Lord, thank you, dear God, that you make it clear and plain that meeting you and knowing you as our personal Savior changes our life radically. Thank you, dear God, for your call to repent. And Lord, thank you for faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's enough. But Lord, I believe with all my heart, as this passage will prove, that when we meet you, our life will be changed. And so, Lord, help us to live that out and be a testimony of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Last night I was by the Cassius side of Sister Guffey, and I was talking to Brother Ronald, and I said, Brother Ronald, you've got a good testimony. I said, your wife's been sick for many, many years. I've seen you in restaurants pushing her in a wheelchair. She goes to Dallas three times a week. And, I, and she, he said, when I made that vow, Brother Wayne, I meant it. And I'll tell you, I'd do it again. And I said, well, I just want to tell you this. You've got a good testimony. A good testimony of taking care of your wife when she was very, very sick. And I want to say this, friend. You need to have a good testimony when you're saved. And the greatest testimony is this, that your life has been changed. A lot of people come to me and they say, hey, I don't know if I'm saved, and I want to look at them and say, if you don't know you're saved, I sure don't. But I want to tell you something. I always go back to the time they think they were saved and ask them this question, did your life change? 
Now, I'm not talking about, I was 11 and a half years old, so I was not a drunk like my daddy. I didn't rob banks. I didn't even talk back to my mother because I feared mother before I feared God. But I want to say this, friend. When my life, when I, when I got saved, God saved my life. God saved my soul. And I know I'm going to heaven because I can look back to that time and realize there was a wonderful change in my life. By their fruits, you'll know them. Say amen. And folks, I'll tell you what, a lot of times we as fundamental soul winning, and Brother John took personal soul winning at the, at the college, that Brother Wayne uh, teaches that right now, personal soul winning. But a lot of times we get this tag of easy believism, one, two, three, pray a prayer and you get saved. But I want to tell you something, I believe in one, two, three, but I believe in four, two. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth in him, not about him, but in him. And folks, I believe in conviction. I believe the Holy Spirit draws people to be saved, but he uses the word as his planet. So I want to give you just a, a, a brief lesson tonight on real salvation found in chapter 3 of 1 John, and we'll go uh, verses 4 through 9. First of all, I want you to see this. You can probably only write down the main titles because I put too many notes on these uh, on, these, on this PowerPoint or this keynote. So just notice what's in white and write those down. Number one, Brother Cody, the Bible says uh, in, first, in 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Now folks, rebellion that proclaims our sinfulness. By nature, all of us are sinners. Nobody had to teach you to be a sinner. You inherited that Adamic nature from your great-great-grandfather, Adam, and your great-great-grandmama, Eve. And we're all born sinners. But I want you to notice, thirdly, that rebellion, or excuse me, uh, on the first point, third slide, uh, rebellion proves our sinfulness. Look at verse 4. It says this. It says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses the law. That's one of the clearest definitions of sin in the Bible. Verse 4 says, Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. The Bible says we're all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Galatians that no one keeps the Ten Commandments. You break one, you break them all, uh, as James says. But I want to say this, friend, is that nobody keeps the Ten Commandments. Galatians says it's a school teacher to teach you that you're a sinner. But it doesn't mean that you try to break nine, uh, nine of them and get away with it. Amen? There's a new want to. There's a new desire. There's even a new deterrent. Uh, to sin when you get saved. Now, I want you to know this. This is talking about real salvation. I'm talking about real salvation. I don't make it hard. Uh, I'm not Calvinist by any point, uh, maybe a couple, but I'm not a Calvinist in that I know God is sovereign, but I want to tell you it's whosoever will. But it's not just whosoever prays a prayer, shoots up a flare prayer. You'll do that when you drive in a land and see three lady drivers uh, coming, to, uh, coming in an intersection and you're in the middle of it. Amen. Or like my best uh, friend growing up, not one of my best friends, one of my soccer buddies at Georgia State University uh, had a five-car collision in the middle of downtown Atlanta. They said, what was you doing? He had earphones on listening to a group called Who. And then when he got hit, he said, who hit me? <laughs> no, I don't know what he did. But it was crazy, you know. I said, man, you need to take those things off when you drive. Now the day it's texting and driving. Isn't that a danger? Say amen. Y'all, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Put up your text when you're driving. Uh, you look down at a text, it's like going 300 yards or three football fields before you look back up. And I want to tell you something, the way some of y'all drive, y'all need to look both, both every second you drive, amen? I'm saying amen to me, amen? But anyway, uh, John, uh, Romans 14, verse 23, turn there with me. We're going to define sin in just a second. 
Folks, to be saved, you've got to realize you're a sinner. Amen. And by nature, you're a sinner. But thank God for the remedy of sin. Amen. And we don't work out of sin. Uh, the prisons are still full, Brother Larry. You got saved in jail. But I want to tell you something. A lot of people don't get saved in jail. And by the way, those two little boys that the mother got thrown in jail Saturday night, they ain't going to see her again. She's shipped out to another country. So those two little boys are on their own. You pray for them. We got to do, we got to help them. We got to help them. I'm glad we gave them the greatest help we can give them. That's the word of God. Say amen. Thank the Lord for that. John, Romans chapter 14. And I want you to look at uh, verse 23, please. Romans 14, verse 23. I believe it's, uh, I wrote it down right. And uh, I want you to see this. The Bible says in verse 23, yes. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. There's the definition of, of sin. Not of faith. And so it's a sin to live by feelings. It's a sin to live a selfishness. John, uh, uh, James chapter 4 verse 17 says, No to do good and do it not, it's sin. You need to know between right and wrong before you can be saved. But you need to know the right way is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then look at 1 John 5, back in uh, 1 John chapter 5 verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Now that means there is a sin unto death. That's right. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, a lot of people think they can get away with sin, but you'll never get away with sin. Matter of fact, sin can shorten your life. I don't believe you'll go to hell, but you'll go to heaven a lot earlier than you thought if you're saved. God has created all things with law and order. Say amen. I mean, it's law and order. Uh, he has an order to everything. The solar system, the stars, the skies, our bodies has an order. It's a, it's a law. But there's no such thing as the laws of nature. I, I really, it disturbs me uh, when people say mother nature. It's not, there's no mother nature. It's the God of all nature. Say amen. But there's certain laws like the law of gravity. You can't defile it. If you want to jump out of a two-story building, you're going to find out the law of gravity will kick in. Amen? And we need to realize that. But I want to tell you something, friend. We're all outlaws. We've all broken the law. And that's the, that's the lesson tonight, is that we have fallen short of the glory of God, and there's no such things as the law of nature. There's a God that nature obeys. Amen? And even animals obey uh, nature. And so, folks, in the moral... Um, universe, there's, there are laws, and we have, we have those, the Ten Commandments. The moral universe, there's laws, we have the Ten That's why men want to kick them out of the courthouse. Amen? That's why men and ladies that are heathens want to kick them out of our schoolhouse. Folks, I want to tell you something, they ought to be in every schoolhouse. It'd help every, every, it'd help every school. And it sure would help every uh, courthouse, amen? And thank God for the states that are taking a strong stand against uh, uh, baby, uh, baby murders, abortions. And, uh, and, and there's a fight going on. There's a warfare. Why? Because men want to be their own God. And men want to say what they're going to do. And women want to say what they're going to do. And they've got rights. Well, I want to tell you something. Your rights ended the moment you got pregnant. Now that child has a right to live. Say amen. That child has a right to breathe. And, and folks, he... he, he does not have a voice unless you're conservative enough and biblical enough to voice your opinion, amen, and vote conservatively. Moral universe, there's laws. We have the Ten Commandments. When you transgress God's law, then you're a sinner. All of us, as I said, are outlaws. And I'm going to tell you why we have the law. It's not because there's some mean God looking down 
wanting us to squirm around like a bunch of worms and mess up so he can stomp us. No, God's a loving Father. God's a God that loves you. And folks, I want to tell you something. The law is for your welfare. I mean, it's for your good. Say amen. Hey, I want to tell you something. Laws are a boundary of protection. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That'll protect your life, men. Amen. Your wife might just get out of frying pan and crown you if you did that and kill you. He's just trying to strengthen your life, but also he's trying to strengthen your relationship. It's one man, one woman for a lifetime. Say amen. And folks, there ought to be an intimacy and a trust there. And that blows everything. And I want to tell you something, friend. When we transgress God's law, the reason we do it is because we're sinners. Nobody teaches to sin. We're just sinners. And all of us sin. But God has given us the law. The law as boundaries of love. He keeps us in His will by saying, Thou shalt not. And some people say, I cannot believe that God would tell me I cannot do what I want to do. Well, by the way, you weren't born to do what you want to do. You were born for His pleasure. Revelation 4.11 says, All things were and are created for His pleasure. Isaiah 43.7 says, All things were formed uh, for His glory. It's His glory, His pleasure, not your pleasure, not your glory. The world tries to help men by education. But education will not cause you to sin less. Matter of fact, you'll sin more intelligently. Uh, An ignorant person will steal a a watermelon off a train, but a person that gets education will steal the whole train. Amen. You know, and 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 reformation—that's not the answer. Uh, Thank God you give the Bible in the prisons, brother uh, Larry, brother Steve, Rock of Ages, and our local prison ministry. Well, that's the only hope they got. Psychology is not the answer for sin. They want to rationalize that. Mama dropped me on my head when I was a baby. She probably should have dropped you on your head again if you're going to think that that's the reason you sin. We're always blaming on mama. If I only had a mama, a daddy. Hey, folks, stop copping out and realize you are responsible. And reality therapy is this. That's sin, and I need to deal with it. I need to confess it. I need to forsake it. Not it's somebody else's problem. Don't Don't we live in a victim age today? Everybody's a victim. Well, I'll tell you something, folks. Everybody ought to be a victor in the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus became your vicarious Savior and took your place. And so there's reformation. And I will tell you something, folks. A lot of times prisons without the Word of God just become a den of, of thieves that are, are, that are more educated and, and primed and pumped to be better criminals. Amen? And they just sit around and say, well, this is how we could get away with it next time. So they have these rally sessions on how to get away with sin. That's not working. I want to tell you something. It's not reformation. It's not education. It's not psychology. What we need is regeneration. Because sin is a heart problem. Say amen. It's a heart problem. It's not an outer crust problem. All right, number two, real quick. I'll get you home by uh, earlier than you ever thought about. Uh, Righteousness uh, that proclaims our sonship. Number two. Righteousness that proclaims our sonship. Look at verse 5, 1 John chapter 3. I love this passage of Scripture that a lot of people are scared of, and I was for many years because of the next few verses, but uh, there's an explanation. You'll study the Word of God in context. Look at verse 5. And we know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. In Him is no sin. You know, righteousness proclaims... um, our sonship. 
See, when you're saved, you're not self-righteous. You have the righteousness imputed by Christ into your soul. He took your sin, you took His righteousness. Love 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. I believe it's stronger than John 3, 16. The Bible says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of God in How can you become right? Because Jesus took your wrong. He took your sin debt. And uh, folks, if your religion has not changed your life, then you better find another religion because it's not biblical religion. Your, your, your religion that cannot even change your life is not biblical religion. Next one, brother. Uh, Jesus did not come to save us in our sins. He came to save us out of our sin or from our sin. Uh, we have victory past, present, and future because of Jesus. The past is penalty. The present is the dominion. And thank God the future is even going to be the presence of sin. We're going to be out of here one day and there'll be no more sin. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Jesus did not come to save us in our sins so we could just be a friendly sinner. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a life change. There's a life change. It's called repentance. We come and we meet the Lord and His Spirit comes into our life and gives us a new desire, new appetites, uh, new aspirations. We want to please God for the first time. Christians denote Christ's likeness. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness, or doeth, right, doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. There's the standard. Folks, listen, it's just saying if you're saved, you ought to be living right. If you're saved, that ought to be your desire. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Oh, there's where a lot of people get nervous. Oh, whoever, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. The word abide means to feel at home with. It means to dwell with. Verse 6 is talking about, not talking about sinless perfection. Nowhere in the Bible does God uh, um, uh, teach this sinless perfection. The church of God uh, has this sinless perfection doctrine. It's ridiculous that uh, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and your old nature is eradicated. Now where is that in the Bible? No, never is your old nature eradicated. I can prove that your old nature is not eradicated. Some of you want to go home right now and you're not listening. That's sin. Amen. Some of you didn't want to be here. Your wife made you come. You got woke burns around your neck. Now, if you had no old nature, you would never want to not come to church, not read your Bible, and you wouldn't get mad at your dog and kick him sometimes or worse, your wife. Uh, you got, you got sin in your, you got a sinful nature. And if, you, and if you drop your guard and don't read the Bible and don't come to church and don't listen while I'm preaching, you'll prove it. Amen? You, you, you'll sin just as worse as you ever sinned, but you just won't get away with it. Say amen. And you won't like it for long because the Lord knows how to get your attention. But look at verse 6. It's not talking about sinless perfection. Folks, this word sinneth is in the present continuous tense. You learned something, you ought to write that down. P-C-T ought to be by that word, sinneth. And I, I know it's little, but I had a lot of notes, and I just wanted to use the PowerPoint as all my notes tonight. And so don't try to write them all. I'll send it to you uh, personally if you want them. But listen, 
we see in verse one, verse, chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, folks, if this verse is talking about sinless perfection, that you can eradicate your own nature because of some Holy Ghost experience. By the way, as soon as they sin, they lose their whole salvation. I'm talking about church of God. They lose their whole salvation. I mean, they had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, spoken uh, heavenly tongue, and got their own nature eradicated. But when they backslide, they lose it all. They lose their salvation. Then guess what they got to do? Got to go through it again. I believe in eternal security. I believe in eternal life. Amen. I don't believe in playing the game. Law saved, law saved. How many times have you been born again, born again? I was down in Florida and uh, one of these timeshare things. And, and I said, man, I'm getting sick of this. I got to get out of here before I give in because they keep going down on the prices. Big trap. Don't do it. And, um, and uh, the guy come up to me and he had a cross on his, on his, on his necklace. I said, listen. How many times you been saved? I thought I'd really they'd get rid of me if I started witnessing. Amen. I said, how many times you been saved? He said, I've been saved four times. I said, what? He said, I've been saved four times. I said, well, let me tell you something. You need, you need to be saved by a Savior that will keep you saved and always saved. And man, he got up and left the table. I didn't mean to insult him. I wanted to, you know, be his friend and win him Lord. Amen. I wanted to be five times. No, it wasn't really. No, no, no. I'm just saying four times. That's the way the world thinks. Save law, save law. I'm going to be born again and again and again and again. How many times you got to get saved? One time. It's an eternal gift. He's not an Indian giver. He doesn't divorce you. He's your heavenly father. And by the way, he takes up resonance in your life. And you can't make him mad enough to leave. Now you can quench him. You can insult him. And you can lose the joy of your salvation, but you can't lose your salvation. And you say, well, if I believe that, I'd... I'd sin all the time, and I'd live like I want to. There's a problem right there. When you're really saved, you don't want to. And when you're really saved, it grieves you when you, when you do sin because the Holy Ghost says, that's wrong. Amen. That displeases me. That dishonors me. There's a still, small voice in your soul saying, hey, you're not glorifying God, and if you don't quit it, boy, I'm going to take you to the woodshed. Amen. I know God wouldn't say those exact words, but that's what a South Georgia preacher would say. Amen. He'll take you to the woodshed. How many's ever been disciplined by the Lord? Raise your hand. The rest of you come to the altar for just being saved two minutes. But I want to say this, friend. God disciplines you. He disciplines you. That's, he's a heavenly father that disciplines you. Any of you parents that don't discipline your children, you're not biblical parents. Because seven times in Proverbs it says you dis, should discipline your children. Why? To teach them that the consequences of sin is worse than pleasure of sin for a season. And teach them they're a sinner. And then they'll get saved. Proverbs 23, 15 says, You'll send your child to hell if you don't discipline. Why? Because they won't respect the man of God, the word of God, or the house of God. And they won't respect anything. And they definitely won't respect sin because they've never been reprimanded for sin. Say amen. How many of you uh, should have got more whippings when you was uh, a child? Raise your hand. And that you didn't get called all the time. Amen. I mean, I used to complain about my mother whipping me so much, but I'm glad she didn't catch me all the time she didn't catch me. Amen. Woo, I wouldn't be alive today. Most Christians to know Christ's likeness. Abide means be at home. But folks, verse 6, read it carefully with me. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Sinneth not. That means present continuous tense. Let me just explain it. You cannot say you're saved and you're not saved if sin is a way of life. Amen? 
Now listen, I'm, I'm, telling, I'm not saying sinless perfection. Because verse 10 says, if you say you haven't sinned, you make God a liar. Look at chapter 2. It says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, knowing you will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the lawyer. And he is the propitiation, satisfying of God's justice for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Look at verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And folks, verse 3 says, and hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. But the Bible says sin is transgressing his commandments. It's breaking one of the commandments. You're not honoring your father and mother. You're not honoring God. You're disobeying. Uh, there's all kinds of, of heart attitude sins. And so sin, you won't put the word next to sinneth, is a present continuous tense. It means sin is a habit. It's a habit. It's a constant habit. And it never stopped being a habit. And folks, I know Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. I know Abraham lied, but he wasn't a liar. And I know that Peter cussed, but he wasn't a cusser. You say cursor. That's something on a computer. A cusser. It was an exception. And man, did they pay for it. David paid for his sin. Amen? But it wasn't a way of life. He wasn't just an adulterer. He wasn't just a murderer. Uh, but I want to tell you something, friends. Sin will take you a lot lower than you ever thought it would. So don't play with sin. i got to hurry. I want you to see thirdly and lastly, redemption that provides our salvation. The redemption that provides our salvation. This is real salvation. I'm talking about real salvation. Look at your Bible. You ought to circle a few words. But I'm going to tell you something. Somebody someday is going to ask you, teacher, what's this mean about sinneth not? You need to have an answer. You need to have an answer. Look at verse 5. It says, And we know that He was manifest to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. All right, he's not going to sin. He took sin, but he, he, He's not a sinner. Look at verse, look at verse 6. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. That, that's just so clear. If you abide in Him, you sin not. That means it's not a way of life. It's not habitual. It's not a, a lifestyle. You repent. Look at this now. It says, Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not, but whosoever sinneth has not seen Him, neither know Him. Neither known Him. Now the word sin, again, is in the continuous tense. Sin is a way of life. If you, if you, whosoever sinneth progressively, casually, uh, callously, continually, hath not seen Him, neither know Him. Don't say you're saved if your life hasn't changed. Now, I want you to see just a few points about this, and we'll try to close, is that when you get saved, He does a great job. And um, 1 John 3, 5 says this, and we know that He manifests to take away our sins. Uh, folks, we're completely forgiven. We're completely cleansed. Amen? It's a miracle that God can forgive you of every sin. And He'll forgive you of every sin that you confess. 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's the most misused verse in the Bible. Because he's not a priest in a, in a booth, and he's not a rabbit foot for luck. He's a God that knows what you're doing. 
And folks, this sinneth and this confessing don't mean just, well, I sinned, Lord, I'm sorry, and, and I'm sorry I got caught, and so I'm going to do it again. No, it's an attitude of calling it what God calls it. Judge it for what God judges it. And seeing it as God said. And most important of all, seeing that that sin put Jesus on the cross. So it's exceedingly sinful. We've lost our blush today in America. I'm not talking about that mascara you put under your eyes or over your eyes or in your eyes. I'm talking about sin doesn't shock us anymore. We're accepting sin. We accept this lifestyle. And folks, uh, the Bible says in uh, verse 7 of our text, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. Look at verse 8. He that committeth sin is, in the, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now folks, in the Bible, Leviticus 16, there was a scapegoat ritual. And they would confess the sin. They had two goats. They confessed the sins of the, of the sinner on the goat's head, and then they'd kill it. That was a picture of Calvary. But the other goat, and this is where we get the word scapegoat, the other goat, they would confess the sins and they'd shoo him off into the wilderness, never to be seen again. That's a picture of what Jesus did when you were saved. That he forgave your sins and cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He, he, remembers, no, he remembers them no more. Now, he's not a forgetful God. He's an all-knowing God. But he treats you as if you've never sinned. And that you've always been righteous. Justified you. The word justified, just if never sinned. But folks, when you get saved, you'll still have to deal with sin. Say amen. And so the reason Jesus came was to take away sin. But according to verse 8, the last part, it's also to destroy, to wipe out, to disable the works of the devil. And so listen. If you think you cannot resist sin, don't say you can't, say you won't. Because if you're saved, you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God in your heart to resist temptation. If you sin, it's your fault. That's right. It's not God's fault. Well, I just can't help it. I'm just a Baptist. Well, I want to tell you something. You might be a die-wool Baptist, but you need to be a blood-washed Baptist. Amen. Uh, You know... It's saying that if you're still living like the devil, you belong to him. That's what this verse says. Look at it. Verse 8, he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. And so listen, you're telling a bunch of lies. Your father, the devil, is the father of all lies. Amen. You're living right, proves you're saved. By their fruits, they'll know them. Amen. Let's go on real quick. Uh, not, only, not only does Jesus deliver us from the Uh, pollution of sin but the penalty of sin not just the pollution of sin or the penalty of sin but but the power of sin but I want to give you one more thing he also delivers you from the principle of self see by the grace of God you're delivered from sin but you're also by the grace of God delivered from yourself because in yourself there is nothing good say amen right there your righteousness, your self-righteousness is filthy rags, pus-full uh, leopard rags on the side of the road, unclean, unclean, as they said in the Bible days. So when you're born again, uh, you get a new dynamic. And that dynamic is this. I mean, it's dynamo. It's dynamite. It's God's life in me. Amen? God's life in me. 
Now, folks, this is more than just religion. It's more than just shooting up a flare prayer when you're scared of the dark. Folks, it's when you get saved, God's life comes into you. His Holy Spirit comes into your life. Another bad doctrine of some churches that you receive the Holy Ghost later. You know, that's like dividing up the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You receive one, you receive them all. Amen. Trouble is, He don't receive all of you. And a lot of people says, well, i got to beg, beg the altar and do several things, and then I'll get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit will come into me. No, He's already there. The trouble is, we hadn't yielded all we should. We hadn't died to self. Filled with the Spirit of God. God never fills you for a filling. God fills you to overflow. Amen. It's for service. So when you're born again, you get a new dynamic. Look at verse 6 again. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. In other words, the new nature will not sin. Now, if you yield to the old nature, you're going to sin. So it's a matter who you yield to. It's a matter who you feed the most. One time a, a chief uh, over in Africa, somewhere in a tribe, got saved, didn't know how to put it. And the missionary said, what happened since you got saved? He said, I got two... I got two natures inside. I got a dark nature and a, and a light nature. I got a white dog and a, and a black dog in me. And he said, what do they do all the time? He said, they fight all the time. And the missionary said, well, which one wins? He said, the one I feed the most. And I want to tell you something. The one you feed the most is which one's going to win. You go to church, it's going to help you be sinning less. And say sin less. You listen to the right kind of music. You don't listen to that rock and roll country music. Whining and dining ungodly stuff. I mean, garbage in, garbage out. Your computer is your brain, and your brain dictates what you live. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you stay out of pornography and stay in His pure Word, you'll live right. Say so, amen. Now, if you're in that stuff, you're not going to live right. I mean, you, your, garbage, your mind is cluttered. Your heart is calloused. It's cold. And folks, it's not a matter of willing and dealing. It's a matter of yielding to the right spirit. Because the human flesh is wicked. Now, how are you born again? Well, I'll tell you how I was born. It's, it's just like this. Physically, 68 years ago, almost, uh, James and Lily Cofield was my parents. They conceived, and I was birthed. And folks, I want to tell you something. Spiritually, the Spirit of God and the, and the Word of God conceived me as an incorruptible seed and folks, I was born into the, into the, by the womb of grace into the, into the family of God because of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And folks, I want to tell you something. I know that I'm saved because I've been born of the Spirit. I've been born again. And when I got saved, I got a new dynamic. I got a new power. I got a new, I got a new uh, uh, spiritual nature, divine nature, 1 Peter chapter 1 says. In you right now. Folks, not only do you have a new dynamic, you have a new desire. Look at verse 9. We'll close. Whatsoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Ooh, that throws a lot of people. Whatsoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Again, that's a present continuous tense. That means whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin and again and again and again and again and again. I believe, folks, the only way a drunkard's going to be sober is get saved. Amen. I believe the only way that a person that's just dominated and addicted by drugs 
is not rehabilitation or jail, but being saved, saved by the grace of God. This drug addict back here, now the deacon, got saved and got a new want to, a new desire. And I want to tell you something, God will give you that through the birth of the Spirit. And look at this, verse 9 says this, For his seed remaineth in him. What seed? That's that germinate. That's that, that's that seed. That's that life. That's God's nature. That's the Spirit of God. And listen to this. Verse 9. And he cannot sin. It say you cannot sin. It said the Holy Spirit cannot sin. The seed cannot sin. The new nature cannot sin. Because he is born of God. Say amen. So we're not talking about sinless perfection. Don't even, don't even entertain that thought. It's ridiculous to think that there's some experience in your Christian life can cause you to be sinless. You'll be disappointed the time you get home. Amen? If we had some kind of altar call here with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you could eradicate your old nature, I guarantee you before you got home, you'd probably sin. Some lady would cut you off and you'd horn cuss them. And you'd say, man, what happened to my eradicated nature? It's still there. Yes, it's still there. Because you're human. And it'll be still there until you get there. Heaven, amen. Let me hurry. Uh, we have the Father's nature. Amen. And we cannot be unborn physically. And you cannot be unborn spiritually. Why? Because God's nature is in you. It's a miracle. I have the nature of God in me. And in you. The nature of God says, I don't want to sin. And you have, a, you have a new want to. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you have a whole lot of trouble with sin, and you're all in sin all the time, and you don't ever want to come to church, and you don't love anybody, and you keep on sinning and sinning and sinning, you need a new warner. You need a new warner. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. He wants to live right. And so you need to yield, uh, you need to realize you're not saved. You're just not saved. You can say you're saved. You can say you prayed a prayer. You got baptized 15 times. Or you can be like that boy, that man down, and he was older than I was, that man down there selling timeshares and said, I've been saved four times. Well, he wished he hadn't said that. But I want to say this, friend. The moment you get saved, there'll be a desire to live for God. Now, it's got to be cultivated. And men, a lot of us have a lot of clutter. And a lot of people are, are so lost, they're lost. But I want to tell you something, friend. I mean, they just don't have any want to at all. But I want to tell you something. If you'll just yield to the Spirit of God and listen to Him, you will glorify Him. And you'll want to glorify Him. And I'll say this. Sin will bother you. Now, if you're never bothered by sin, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Is a convictor in you? If you can get away with sin, get away with sin. I'm going to tell you something. In the Christian life, there's two C's that you ought to be thankful for. Conviction and chastisement. That's right. And then I could add another one, communion. You ought to, you ought to abide in Him. This is, a, this is a, a chapter, this is a book of sweet fellowship. Nothing like the fellowship with God. So the moment you get saved, you get a new desire. Thank God for it. And I'll tell you this, you get a new deterrent too. You get a new deterrent. You don't want to sin. The Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not right. I want to say the first thing that happens when a Christian gets saved and sins, he loses the peace of God. 
Now, if you ain't losing the peace of God when you sin, and you're just sinning all the time, then maybe you don't have the convictor in your heart. Real salvation, I'm talking about. Because the Bible says, let the peace of God, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Rule in your heart. That means umpire, you're out. I want to tell you something, friend. If you read this Bible and you pray, you come to church, you listen to the right kind of music, have the right kind of entertainment and the right kind of uh, viewing on your computer and, and, you, and you're staying in the Word of God, I'm going to tell you something. You're turning the alarm system way up and you'll be very sensitive to sin. And the Holy Spirit will convict you. And that's why you can say, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, the new nature, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Oh, folks, it's a new want to. Let me just close with two statements. The devil would just as soon send you to hell from the pew as he had from the gutter. Matter of fact, he might rather send you to hell from the pew because all these times that you thought you were saved and you're not saved and you end up in hell, he'll laugh for eternity that he deceived you. Somebody was asked, are you Baptist? And they, they replied, well, I'm dying the wool Baptist. And the questioner said, well, you better be washed in the blood Baptist. So just because you join this church or just because you call yourself a Baptist don't mean you're saved. If you're saved, you sin not. That means you do not sin habitually. If you're saved, you doeth right. Amen? And so real salvation revolutionizes your life. Amen? You know, it'd be, it'd be absurd for somebody to come up and say, well, um, are, you, are you married? I'd say, well, I think so. But I had to look back to 45 years ago when I said, I do, and after she proposed to me. No, and, I, and she said, I do. And, and we made a holy covenant with God. I was talking to Brother Ron about that last night. And I know I'm married. And I want to say something, friend. Marriage changed my life. I know, I, know I'm, I know I'm married. So why shouldn't I know I'm saved? And folks, what if somebody comes to me and says, are you alive? Well, I know I'm alive physically. But I know I'm alive spiritually. Why? Because there's a new nature. There's the Holy Spirit that lives in my life. And I got a new desire. I got a new dynamic in my life of the Holy, of new nature. I even got a new deterrent. I don't want to sin. So real salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and all things become new. If I ran into somebody out there, I'd know it in my car. And a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. Well, you ought to know it because you didn't just run into him. He came into you and saved you. And thank God for the spiritual miracle of salvation. Salvation is not signing a card Salvation is not even praying a prayer. Salvation is believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He comes into your life. And it abides in you. And changes your life radically. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this message. Lord, thank You for these, this clarity on sinning. And Lord, I thank You, dear God, that we've got a new want to. Lord, I believe I know I'm saved because I really want to serve you and I want to please you and I want to know you. And Lord, if I wasn't saved, I wouldn't care about church. I wouldn't care about knowing you. And I wouldn't care about your word and 
I wouldn't care about living right. God, I care. Not because I'm something good. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's because you, the one that's so good, lives in my heart. And God rules in my heart when I let you. Convicts my heart. Leads my heart. Softens my heart. And Lord, thank you, dear God, leads my life. And I thank you for saving.